This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Oh, hell yeah. Welcome everyone to the must listen to Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana and of course, we're talking about Under the Dome with CD on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And have we got a show in store for you here. I am just absolutely over the moon, overjoyed, and hyped up to be with you on this Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, almost Saturday afternoon, whatever you want to wind up putting it. I'm just overall hyped about today, and I think there's a lot of reasons why. Obviously, today is the day that we've been waiting for for a good while, and that is the fact that we're going to have the stay-at-home order. It's lifted officially, which means you can kind of go places. 25% capacity is there, but if you want to go out and go enjoy life a little bit, guess what? The doors are slightly ajar. You don't have to kick the door open. You can just walk right in, but hopefully you're out there enjoying yourself and also make sure you're aware there's going to be some rain coming up a little bit later today, so make sure you try and avoid that. Thankfully, you know, I'm in here coming to you live, as always, from inside the game studios. Baby, we're looking good. Yes, we are. We are looking good. We are feeling good, and we are feeling a little bit froggy. And whenever I say that this is Acadiana's number one sports station, and it comes to weekend sports talk, that I gotta be the best of all. That just cut and dried. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at woo, the greatest, the best looking man, the best dressed man, long limousines, jet airplanes, custom made clothes, and any woman in the world I want. Just like that. Oh boy, how do you not love that to start off a Saturday morning getting hyped up? How can I not bring up what's causing all this? And I think without a doubt, what I want to get to, and I'm going to add on to it, because apparently this is coming out a little while ago, and I saw this pop up thanks to my good friend of the program. Ah, boy. His name escapes me, but we had him on during the before the Saints took on the Lions a couple years ago. But that, that that's besides the point. Honestly, I was absolutely thrown away by this, and that's the fact that Gretchen Whitmer, Michigan governor, basically said no fans attending upcoming events in terms of sporting events this fall and no full stadiums until a vaccine is available. She basically doubled down with this in her weekly news conference. This came out yesterday. But it doesn't mean that sports is over. So it's definitely an interesting kind of slope when it comes down to it. But I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen from that perspective. Another big headline is, without a doubt, Ty Montgomery. You heard me talk about it during the two-minute drill. 
And I got to say, that's an interesting move right there. Could we see Ty Montgomery become a big facet of the Saints offense? Can he crack that 53-man roster after a down year? That's kind of the million-dollar question I think a lot of us are going to be asking at the end of the day. But what's causing all this in terms of where I want to start off the show, I'm going to go look towards over the course of this last week, the last five or six days, and what everybody's been talking about is that various states are kind of doing in terms of when it comes to sports in the future, brought up a Michigan news. Dave Burkett was the guy, Detroit Free Press, who kind of dropped this. And I saw this pop up just before we got on the air. So, we're seeing that happen. And they're, they're allowing sports to happen. But no fans in the stands until a vaccine is available. Wouldn't be surprised if a lot of other states kind of follow suit. But it's all about what's going on in California. And you look at what various states are doing when it comes to sports. And even the stay-at-home order in some cases. Because over here, we're starting to th- open things up, as I mentioned earlier. Slowly but surely. In fact, I got an email a couple days ago. The gym that I go to, or did go to before the pandemic happened, I'll still wait a little while before I do go back to the gym. I'll admit it. I need to go back to the gym, but I'm more than okay with waiting a little bit longer. If if you're down with going right away to the gym, getting your hair cut, everything in between, that's you. This is America. I'm not going to tell you to do anything any different. And if you're doing things a little bit differently, call me up, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. We're going to have a lot of time to let you in, to give your opinion, to give your takes in this program. Because we've got two guests. I'll give you some details about those in a little bit. But they're actually allowing a maximum of 21 people at a time that are allowed in, and masks being optional for members. I've got some interesting subtext about that, but I'm going to leave that to myself. I was kind of surprised about that fact. And the Pelicans, they're supposedly going back to their practice facility on Monday with no promise that they'll be playing when the NBA resumes action. More likely than not, they might fast forward straight to the playoffs. The longer this goes, and I think right here, right now, they're at the point where they either play the playoffs or don't play at all and cancel the NBA season. I've mentioned my thoughts on it. I think they should cancel the NBA season and move on to 2021, 2020-2021 season. So confusing. And then there's the state of California. Looking more specifically at Los Angeles County, a health official initially said that perhaps the county should remain on lockdown until the month of August. However, the mayor of L.A. later said in in the same week that he doesn't expect that to happen. I think that was a smart thing to do. And I think that's the way Los Angeles County is going to go because you got to realize you've got so many franchises in the state of L.A., you don't want to kind of bite the hand that feeds when it comes down to it. You've got the Los Angeles Galaxy. You've got the Doyers. You've got the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Even though they're in Anaheim, they're still considered the Los Angeles Angels, the Dodgers, the Rams, the Chargers, which was dumb to begin with. But you know what? Dean Spanos is an absolute turd. But at the end of the day, I am absolutely just blown away by what's going on with the Los Angeles County and also California, to where it feels like they might not necessarily allow sports to happen. They might not allow sports to happen in its current form or even without, with or without fans. It feels like they are standing on that platform that they're not going to allow fans in the stands. Is what it is. That's what they want to do. That's fine by me. I think there needs to be a lot of things going on with other states. 
I think I think the state of Louisiana is going to be more than willing to allow fans not be in the stands at least until the month of October when we know that maybe this second wave, the second spike that we keep hearing about from Dr. Anthony Fauci and everybody in between in terms of people who know a whole hell of a lot more about science and everything in between and how medicine works and all that stuff. I don't know a damn thing about that. I let them kind of form their own opinion, and for the most part, I kind of roll with it. But once that initial news was mentioned earlier this week, I absolutely loved what I saw from the state of Florida. They swooped in and treated themselves like the sports statue of liberty, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land here in our seawash sunshine state shall stand a mighty governor with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and his name, Ron DeSantis. From his beacon hand glows worldwide welcome, his mild eyes command, the air branch harper that Twin Cities frame. These states want to stay close? Ha! cries he. Give me your NFL, your NBA, your MLB huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched reviews of your teeming shores send these, the stadium list to me, I lift my lamp beside the golden door. A little play on words from the poem that's inscribed within the Statue of Liberty. Ron DeSantis pretty much said, hey, if you want to play sports here, we've got free space for you to work with. You want to come over, play in the Florida Gator Stadium? So be it. You want to play in the Orange Bowl? Go ahead. Do whatever you want to do. Come on over. And it should come as no surprise that they would go this route. It should come as absolutely no surprise some because of the fact that that's the way Ron DeSantis works. Let's not forget this was a guy that allowed WWE to be considered an essential business. WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, and in turn all professional sports. AEW is one of them. They're going to be having their big double or nothing show next weekend. Looking forward to that. But all it took was allegedly a super PAC in the form of Linda McMahon and the Trump re-election committee, allegedly, to allow that to happen because, like the million-dollar man once said, everybody's got a price. What it all comes down to is this. Money isn't everything. It's the only thing. And everyone, everyone has a price for the million-dollar man. (laughs) That is exactly kind of where my thoughts are on all this is they definitely handle it the way that you'd expect when it comes to the way big business and government is. It is what it is. That's cool. Do what you want to do. I'm absolutely for what's going on and allowing sports to happen in the state of Florida. If you want to do that, so be it. Make sure you have no fans in the stands for the foreseeable future. That way we don't have a potential second spike. Let let things happen the way they may. Oregon's starting to kind of try and figure out what's going on with them. It's definitely going to be on a state-by-state basis outside of the SEC. Which is basically saying, hey, June 1st, more likely than not, unless you're Paw Paw Phil Fulmer and you're old man and you want to want to just say, hey, we're, I want to move on and not play until the spring. You are out of your ever-loving mind. College football needs to be in the fall. I mentioned the, the prospects of playing in the spring weeks ago, but I still feel like that is just such a huge reach. I don't want to see it happen because I think that's going to be very, very risky. But, you know, I've mentioned it before. If you can control things in terms of the amount of people that are in stadiums, practice facilities, everything in between, then I think you can do baseball games without fans. I think you you can do football games without fans. And when it's safe to bring them into the fold, do that. 
just just do it. I think that's the way things need to be. That being said, this is a great weekend. Last weekend was awesome because of the fact that we got UFC back in our lives. Sports in America was back. Now we're in a, the second weekend of sports, slowly but surely, being back. In the case of soccer, if you're a big soccer fan, footy, footy, football, you've got plenty of choices to choose from right now with a lot of games getting towards the end of the line in terms of Bundesliga. Yes, Bundesliga officially back in action of the Premier League where everybody knows what teams they are, knows how to pronounce their name in terms of the different franchises. Mind you, some of them are pretty easy, like Dusseldorf, Paderborn, Dortmund, Schlake. Dortmund's absolutely destroying Schlake, by the way, 4 nothing in the 84th minute. A couple, a few ties, though, with Augsburg taking on Wolfsburg, 1-1 in the 84th minute. 83rd minute, Dusseldorf and Paderborn tied nil-nil. You also got RB Leipzig and SC Freiburg. I hope I'm pronouncing those right, 1-1 in the 84th minute. Hoffenheim getting shut out by Hertha 3-0 towards the end of that game. And then they've got an 11-30 matchup with them. Uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce those names because uh, it's Frankfurt. It's something Frankfurt and Mönchengladbach. Hopefully I'm pronouncing those names right. But again, not a big I'm a Bundesliga fan. I'm more so Premier League. That's the way it needs to be. And hopefully after Memorial Day, we can start talking about Manchester United, the, the Reds. The Mighty Reds, hopefully they can rally back before long because they had a really rough start to the 2019-2020 Premier League season. The MLS is going to be back sooner than later. But more importantly, NASCAR is back starting tomorrow in the Darlington 400, baby. And guess what? You can listen to it right here on 103.7 The Game. Thanks to the Motor Racing Network and Westwood One for getting this thing together. Yes, you remember the Darlington 400 which is actually being renamed for this instance. We're trying to get the actual name. Yeah, it's the Real Heroes 400 honoring the frontline workers. i got to give mad credit for them to be able to do that. It's the first time in more than two months the sport is going to return, and it's called the Real Heroes 400 at Darlington Raceway tomorrow. This is going to be 2.30. The whole party gets started here. And, again, you can listen to it right here on 103.7 The Game. Acadiana Sports Station. But we're going to go from Acadiana to New Orleans to talk to Warren Easton, wide receiver Casey Kane, not the race car driver Casey Kane, but we're going to talk to him because he made a big announcement yesterday about his future in terms of high school, in terms of his college. He committed to the University of Texas. We'll talk to him about that and so much more. Also, Robin Lundberg joining the program at 1130. But want to have this guy on for a good while. Looking forward to having him on. We're going to talk about the NBA and what their plans are to reopen. And we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more during this show. Saints Faye 5, the MLB chatter. Rumor in your window about that. We'll talk about that and more right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. considered world famous but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us just don't talk to him while he's eating lay up there I'm starving 
Now back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. You got to love things about less best laid plans, I should say. Because sometimes you try and book guests, you get them confirmed. I don't necessarily get in touch with you. It is what it is. We're going to try and move on. Hopefully we can get him on the program sooner rather than later. Because I got to say, I'm, I was looking forward to that interview with Casey Kane, a t- class of 2021 wide receiver from Ward East and committing to the University of Texas. I already kind of tried to pencil this in more about his recruiting process. And then lo and behold, like Friday afternoon, he announced he's going to Texas. So it kind of changes the entire story, but hopefully we can get him on. I've still got plenty of space to try and fit him in. I'm not necessarily that worried about, oh, hey, you know, booking him and telling him, hey, like we're going to have you on at 1015. If I have him on at 1030, it is what it is. Absolutely just, you know, things happen. Best laid plans, especially some of these high school kids, not necessarily able to get at you when you want to. And, you know, again, more than more than willing to move that, move this thing around and improvise to try and get some great content going. But, man, I got to say, it's just been a wild, wild week for the NFL. First off, you have the big story about DeAndre Baker over armed robbery charges. This is Giants corner. He wound up facing a number of like felony charges. And he turned himself in early this morning. It's just an absolute you know mess of what's going on with that. A number of counts for armed robbery. I think this guy might very well no longer be a part of the league in the future, but I think that's definitely a storyline we're going to kind of put a pin in and hopefully talk about down the road because it's just amazing to see what's going on over there. And everybody else is talking about what A.A. Ron Rogers said yesterday. And we talked about it a little bit during Ben show, but I want to talk about it a little bit as well. When it comes down to it, Aaron Rodgers has definitely been the centerpiece of the post-draft storylines, and justifiably so, because at the end of the day, that's the guy everybody's talking about after they drafted Jordan Love with in the first round. Yeah, we talked about it with him, our guy Matt Freilich a couple of weeks ago, but still, we're talking about it because he had a conference call Friday with Wisconsin media, and some have taken issue with how the comments were kind of brought out, especially from pro football talk. But here's the full content of the quote. And he made it clear that the that the Packers want to move on from Rodgers before Rodgers wants to move on from the game. He'll play elsewhere. But here's the full question and answer. I know we've all heard you. And here's the question. I know we've all heard you say you want to finish your career as a Packer, even beyond your current contract. Do you think this affects that in any way? And is that still your plan to do that? And Rodgers responded, quote, Well, I think what it does is reinforce the kind of adage that you can only control what you can control. It's always been, you know, a mantra for myself, I think. In any great athlete, there's things that are just out of our control. That obviously is something that's very important to me, but I think that is definitely the feeling at this point that it, that, that is truly something out of my control. What I can control is how I play and making that decision at some point is very hard, is a very hard one. You know, if I were to retire on the organization's timetable, then it's an easy decision. But if there comes a time where I still feel like I can play at a high level and my body feels great, there are other guys that have gone on and played elsewhere. 
And that's pretty much as clear as can be. I know a lot of people got on pro football talk for the phrasing of it, but I think they phrased it the right way. I think that's absolutely the right way he should have handled it. He worded everything the right way. And I think at the end of the day, that's what you're going to wind up hearing from a lot of these different players down the, not too far down the road. I think when you look at a guy like a Taysom Hill, that the player everybody's talking about when it comes to his future, and with the hot, with the signing of Jameis Winston for a one-year deal, if he pans out into a certain way, could it be another one-year deal? That way you can have a little bit of insurance in case Drew Brees does retire and we don't see everything go the way that you expect it to. You don't see things set up the way maybe you thought they would. And I'm absolutely interested to see how that storyline goes. The Green Bay training camp is going to be one of the hottest storylines. Without a doubt. Because of the fact that you have the Green Bay Packers supposedly all in on Jordan Love, but not all in on helping the man himself, Aaron Rodgers. And it continues to be absolutely amazing of what's going on with that. And then the NFL kind of went a little like sideways with something. And I am, I didn't want to talk about it yesterday when I was having to kind of do an emergency segment for the Jordy Holtberg show is what it is. Luckily we got him back on the air. That's a whole different conversation for a different day. But the NFL has a system they're proposing that I think may be kind of bad when it comes down to it. It's a system that will reward teams for creating opportunities for minority coaching candidates via enhanced draft standing. The league is essentially admitting, you know, they don't want to punish anybody who makes a mockery of the Rooney rule and the spirit of the Rooney rule and give you incentives to hire African-American coaches and GMs and executives. Whatever you don't necessarily, like, why hasn't there been more head coaches that are African-American? I think that's definitely the big question that I have, and I'm, I've been wondering why that's not a thing, why we haven't seen more of that in recent years. We have Mike Tomlin, and that's about it in terms of the head coaches in the NFL. And you don't see many GMs from that perspective. And, you know, you're wanting to give people these picks. Honestly, that's not the way to go. I think you need to be able to make sure it's not as much incentivized, but if you're not going to, you need to punish some people. You need to punish these franchises who are holding people down. I think that's really the question at hand is what are you going to do to try and make sure that this situation doesn't keep happening and they keep getting bonked on the head and never get out of that spot? That is the real question that I have. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to try again. Get Casey Kane, not the race car driver. Casey Kane, Warren Easton, wide out. We're going to talk to him about his commitment to the Texas Longhorns, hopefully. But if not, don't worry. We've got content for days, and I've got some thoughts on Blake Snell and the MLB players, and they're crying and complaining. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
The numbers don't lie. Because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037, The Game. Oh, boy, I've got plenty of firepower for this next segment because, hell, I mean, we try to get Casey Kane on, and we're talking about the wide receiver out of Warren Easton. Guess wires got crossed. We'll probably kick that can down the road, try and get him on again in the not-too-distant future because, honestly, that was an interview I was looking forward to just because of the conversation we were going to have about him committing to the Texas Longhorns why he did it, and, you know, what his relationship like. I'm, in general, just looking forward to those kind of conversations. But, you know, those things happen. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, I think everybody's talking about what's going on with the MLB. And I've got a lot of thoughts about it. I think it's something we haven't necessarily talked about as much. And it's about the crying and complaining. But I've also got some other thoughts on Bryce Harper's proposal for the 2020 season, which is an absolute joke. I'll get to that in a little bit. But Blake Snell is in the crosshairs. For me, without a doubt, he's within those crosshairs because of the fact of some of the statements he made on Twitch. Yes, you're right. Yet players now, they're busy being Twitch stars, or in this case, Twitch drama queens, because... Blake Snell basically said about the revenue split proposal. He wants all his money. He definitely kind of drew a lot of heat. And here's some of the here's what he said. Quote, I'm sorry you guys think differently, but the risk is way the hell higher, and the amount of money I'm making is way lower. Why would I think about doing that? Y'all gotta understand for me to go, for me to take a pay cut is not happening because the risk is through the roof. It's a shorter season, less pay, end quote. And it's backed up by Former NL MVP, Bryce Harper, absolute jamoke. Uh, now he's with the Phillies. After he left the Washington Nationals, look what they did. They won a damn title. Shows how much they care about Harper and his overrated behind. That being said, we'll get to him later. Blake Snell doubled down on that interview with an athletic, and he says, I'm concerned just like everybody else about the virus, and I want to make sure me and my peers are taken care of and we want to play under circumstances that we agreed upon as a group. I will play if I get 50% and we play 50% of the season, but to accept making less than that and with more risk to our health, it's not fair to the players. At the end of the day, I think that's not the way to handle this thing. In this kind of like world we're in right now, where the new normal, and we're seeing people lose their jobs on a daily basis. We're seeing the furloughing and the layoffs still going on, into the month of May, as we're nearing the end of this month, probably early June, it's going to keep happening. We're going to keep seeing businesses close down, and I think it's just ridiculous to think and complain about the fact that, you know, you're getting paid X amount of dollars, but you want you don't want to get that temporary pay cut. Who's to say that they couldn't kick the money down the road because, after all, there's no salary cap, there's only a luxury tax you're having to kind of deal with. Blake Snell heading into 2020 was projected to make base salary of $7 million this year. Seven mil. And then everything else was kind of be going to be more backloaded. $10 million in 2021, $12 million in 2022, 2023. He'll get $16 million. This is 
base salary by itself. Yes, you're right. Base salary. The luxury tax salary for him this year is $10 million, but still, the point still stands. His contract's backloaded. Why are you complaining about being docked pay with this split proposal? I think that's it's a temporary fix for that problem. I think you need I think a guy like Blake Snell needs to sit there and say, hey, I'm gonna deal with this, swallow the bitter pill, and also look at what your bank account's already made at this point. I think you'll be okay in terms of taking care of yourself and your family. And if it's just I get it. I get you don't want to take the pay cut, but I think you kind of have to because if you don't, that can wind up costing the Rays franchise, which is already kind of a joke, and you're playing in an absolute dump of a stadium. I have been there before. The Rays Stadium Tropicana Field is probably one of the worst stadiums in the league. In all of MLB, in terms of the big leagues. Probably you already have some crappy AAA or single-A franchises in the way that things are set up. But at the end of the day, Tropicana Field is an absolute dumpster fire of a stadium. It's one of the worst. I've, I I remember going there during the World Series run in 08. And you had Carlos Pena, Evan Longoria, and they were just a team that was just like the plucky underdog. And I saw them as they were making their run in the World Series in like early June. And it was an awesome experience. But I still remember how crappy that stadium was. It's probably one of the worst stadiums I've ever been in. The the way the thing's set up, the way everything is, I mean, the, the, even the, the the Ray Tank, I guess, the Devil Ray Tank, it is an absolute joke. And I'm just, I was, I'm just overall disappointed with the fact that they want to going from Devil Rays to just Rays, like a bunch of wimps. But at the end of the day, I am absolutely kind of flabbergasted by the fact that we have somebody doubling down on a take like this. Again, he has a five-year, $50 million contract. He'd be making multiple millions of dollars under a potential revenue share plan while pitching 15 to 17 games in an 82-game season. Are you kidding me? Why are you complaining about that whenever people are looking to find a way to make money whenever they've been laid off from their jobs or furloughed and checks aren't coming in and you're having to really stretch a dollar bill and you're complaining about having to share revenue to try and keep some of these franchises afloat, to keep the minor leagues afloat. There's a lot of things going on with all this, and I think a lot of people, especially MLB players, need to stop crying and complaining and moaning and everything in between. Because I've got a lot of other things I can say about Blake Snell, but I'm not going to say it because I'm probably getting a lot of heat for it. But I think he's not the biggest person in terms of the list of people that I'm just not a fan of right about now. Bryce Harper is on that list now. He is at the top of that list. A number one, top of the heat. Over Marvin Harrison, over, uh, excuse me, not Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison's a really great guy. But James Harrison, linebacker for the Steelers. We'll get to him a little bit later. But I want to get to Bryce Harper and his proposal for a 2020 MLB season beyond health and safety, which comes first for all players and families. Just an idea you've been thinking about. East, West, like the NBA. July, 31 days. August, 31 days. September, 30 days. October, 31 days. November, 15 days. 
135 games, off day every two weeks on a Monday and Sunday doubleheader, seven innings. 30-player, six-man rotation, save arms. If pitchers wanted this, if not, no big deal. DH and any other ideas possible. Need to figure out if somebody gets hurt, what happens, not sure, who and where you call up from, etc. Playoffs, two-week World Series like Super Bowl week. Ten-team round-robin format, college World Series kind of style at the New Texas Stadium. Three-game series, you win the series, you move on. You lose, you play the other loser in a one-game wild card. Winner of that moves on, other team is out. Or you can play it in Vegas, so you have the strip hotels, and you can use one hotel for all the guys and contain possibly two teams left, seven-game World Series. They get two days off before the series. With those two days off, you can do an all-star game or a home run derby. Continue to be awards as well during that time. Over this, up on all platforms, no blackouts, two-week World Series like Super Bowl week, and then you back up the season the next two years, May 1st, 2021, I am not a fan of that idea. It is way too complicated. You can check it out on my Twitter. I'm gonna, I saw this pop up. This was from a MLB on Fo- Fox's Twitter at MLB on Fox, and I gotta say, not a fan of it. I get the East West thing, but guess what? Three divisions, I think, is perfect because again, East West, you're gonna wind up having it very kind of like weird, and it's even weird now because of the fact that you have. Texas, the Houston Astros, and the Texas Rangers, both in the Western Division. While they should, pro- I think they'd fit better in the Central Division. I, I, I get it. You know, don't get me wrong because the fact you're basically doing the fusion dance with AL and NOS programs, and you're going to kind of merge those two together. I get that, but at the end of the day, 135 games. You start in July, and you go. One day off every two weeks, a Monday and Sunday doubleheader seven innings, that is a a complete mess. 135 games. I think 82 games is a perfect measurement of what you need to do to succeed if you're in the MLB. I think that's the perfect setup. That's the perfect plan if if you're an MLB player right now. 82 games is perfect. Because guess what? You can get a season in. It's a good enough sample size, and it's probably the closest thing I'd say to getting a season in. If you don't like it, tough. That's all i got to say on that. It's absolutely ridiculous that we're trying to propose all these ideas, and maybe just maybe you can't get it all right. Again, 30 players, six a six-man rotation. That's a good idea. Don't get me wrong. I think that's the one positive out of all this. Bryce Harper coming up with an idea to do a 30-player roster, six-man rotation. Six-man rotation I like. I like that a lot. Now, it depends on kind of what your team looks like if you can work a six-man rotation. In the case of, I'd say, the Astros this year, Justin Verlander, you've got Zach Greinke, you've got got a couple other guys as well you could fit in there. But beyond a four-man rotation, you could very well be going Jack Johnny Holstaff for two games. And let's say you do a three-game series. Game four, game five, games, game four, game five, game six, uh, excuse me, game five, game six of those series, or better yet, the first two games of the next series. You could be behind the eight ball 0-2 because of the fact you're having to go Jack Johnny Holstaff approach and set this up. I think that's the one complaint I have of it, but at the same time, I like it. 
because it has a smart idea to it. It has a good idea to it, but it's not necessarily the best idea in the world. Universal DH, I'm all for that being forever because either you go full hog with it or not at all. I think it's definitely been a big complaint for a lot of people in the NF, in the MLB is the fact that the NL does not do the DH stuff. I say let it all happen. Let it all hang out. DHs would be great for the league's future because, honestly, I don't want to see pitchers batting anymore. Bartolo Colon's hung it up. I've seen him hit a home run. I'm done. I'm checked out. I don't want to see a guy like a pitcher bat. A pitcher batting feels wrong. I'd much rather a universal DH all the way through, bottom line. Interleague play, whatever. Interleague play does not need to happen in that form. I am absolutely for seeing this team. I'm looking forward to seeing what this MLB season could look like. The reports are it's an 82-game season. I think an 82-game season is perfect. It's like the NBA, but guess what? More of those games matter, 82 games versus 135 games, and you start in July and you go until mid-November, and then the season would end around December. They didn't have winter meetings like right after that. That is an absolute dumb idea. I think you should go start in July, 82-game season. You get to October, you play the postseason, and you're done. You're done, you move on, and you get ready for next year to where hopefully you can have a full 162-game season. If you go in December, that could very well be when that second wave we keep talking about and we keep hearing about could happen. Because remember, December, that's kind of when flu season really gets kicking and going. I hate to keep talking about it, but guess what? That's what we're all kind of going into. And the MLB continues to be a home of a bunch of crying, entitled players and people who want to kvetch and moan about every little thing because of the fact that they want to get their money. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I understand where they're coming from. You want their money? You want your money? That's perfectly fine. But guess what? Sometimes you just got to take it on the chin to try and set yourself up for some greatness down the road. I think, you know, the MLB putting that plan out, it's definitely working because they want you to hate the players if they don't want to play ball. And in my my case, if you're not going to play ball because the fact that you want to, because the fact you are against a split revenue, where you're getting paid millions upon millions of dollars, and you see guys that could very well be going into the league with a twenty thousand dollar maximum deal because of the minor league system and the way they want to do things with this five round draft, which is, I like the five round draft idea, but twenty thousand dollar max for a minor league player? Are you kidding me? That's going to be an absolute strain on the international system as well as the college system. This was a mistake to set a limit of $20,000. At the end of the day, you might as well start taking away some of those like short season leagues in the minor leagues. Single A, double A, triple A, they should be largely consolidated to where you don't have as many franchises Yes, I know that's what Rob Manfred wants. He wants to cut a good chunk of the minor league out and probably get rid of a good chunk of these minor league franchises that pretty much are the lifeblood of the MLB. Rob Manfred is an absolute joke, but I think the fact we got MLB players who are getting paid millions of dollars 
crying and complaining about the fact that they've got to split revenue and they still get paid millions of dollars at the end of the day? Get out of here with that mess. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we got a whole lot more to talk about. Hour one, going to be wrapping up next. And hour number two, I'm going to open up with my fave five Saints players of all time. Yes, I'm ripping off a number of gimmicks. We'll talk about that next right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Well, how can you not love some soccer right about now? Because it's at least some form of sports that we're talking about and outright looking forward to. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on 103.7 The Game. And 1037thegame.com. And also, if you listen through the free mobile app, Amazon Echoes, Google Homes, tell your smart speaker to play 1037 The Game. You might be wondering what's going on with the music. It's a little bit different than it usually is. It definitely has a distinct theme to it. And I'm going to not let you in on the secret just yet because I've still got a lot of things that I want to talk about. Hour number two going to be starting up in a little bit. We're going to talk with... Robin Lundberg at 1130. I'm going to open up hour two talking about my favorite five Saints players of all time. And, again, I'm going to give you a full disclosure on wh- on why you may not agree with this list. But if you want to get in on this action, 337-706-0111, it will be open until 1130. Robin Lundberg joined the program. And I'm just looking forward to that. Again, I'm going to just say it right now. Kevin Foote, I'm ripping the gimmick off. Alan Michael, I'm ripping your gimmick off. I'm doing the fusion dance and getting this thing set up, ready to go. And I'm absolutely looking forward to letting out my list. And I'm gonna, I might do this like over the course of the next several weeks because I've got time to kill. But also, I want to pub this. If you've been a fan of the station for a while, you know we have a wrestling podcast or had one, the Twenty by Twenty Programs Podcast. We're gonna rebrand it, the whole shebang-a-bang, and I've got a lot of names. You can check my tweet out on Twitter from yesterday about different names for the podcast. And one that's definitely getting a lot of run is Cajun Strong Style Podcast, and i got to give credit where credit is due towards I'm a Cajun Jack. Let me pull up the actual Twitter account. Cajun Jack 55 for bringing up one I did not think about. No holds barred. N-E-A-U-X, I think that's a fantastic name, and I might actually try and parrot that one. I'm leaning heavily towards Cajun Strong Style. I think a lot of people are as well. Look Up at the Lights is getting a lot of run as well through some friends in the podcasting community and also some friends that I'm wrestling fans as well. Looking forward to seeing which one kind of gets the lean. But I'm also looking forward to to just what's going on in hour number two. Some because of the fact I want to get people's thoughts on their fave five. Again, I'm a younger fella. I'm like 31 years old. So my list will definitely not agree with your list, 
But guess what? It's like the Big Lebowski said, that's your opinion, man. And we're going to have a lot of fun breaking it down like a fraction. And also, I'm just looking forward to hour number two because it's going to be a lot of fun, especially Robin Lundberg getting him on the show. Been trying to get, I tried to get him on after the Sharifio Neal commitment because he was one that kind of broke the news. Things weren't necessarily going to work out, but you know he was more than willing to kind of like, hey, work around it and try and make things go. But we're going to take a timeout. We're going to go to break. Come back. Hour number two coming up in just a little bit right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 103.7 The Game studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 103.7 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 1037 the game and welcome everyone hour number two of two of under the dome with cd on acadia and a sports station 1037 the game and 1037thegame.com is now underway. And I got to say, be safe out there because I know I, I just stepped out during the break and it is it's drizzling outside. It's not like a bad rain, but trust me, any kind of rain right about now, I think is, and you know, isn't it ironic? I'm going to bring this up before I get to my big topic is I've been noticing a lot of rain over the last couple of days. I think there's a good bit of rain coming in the next, like, few days and again i'm no meteorologist sometimes i do play one on the radio but luckily i've got a phone that tells me what the meteorologists are kind of saying and what the majority are leaning on and today and tomorrow we're supposed to be like 90 and 80 percent chance of rain then it's going to ease up a little bit till thursday doesn't that seem familiar to you and if you're a lsu football lsu baseball fan excuse me you are more than familiar with the fact that you know you've got everything going on right now. It feels like it is now SEC tournament time, and ironically, that'd be next week. If I'm not mistaken, next week would have been the start of the SEC tournament, the Sun Belt tournament. Now they're both would have been in Alabama, Hoover, Alabama. You were going to see LSU play in the LSU Invitational, as I like to call it, and they could probably wind up improving their stock heading into the NCAA college basketball, college baseball tournament. I'm saying college basketball. What am I talking about here? But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. But, of course, as always, we're coming to you live from the game studios. Baby, we're looking good. And without a doubt, we're coming to you on 103.7 The Game, 1037thegame.com, the mobile app, smart speakers, anything in between that you can listen to us. We're just broadcasting through the Tower of Power. The Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh yeah, there we go. We're, we're getting better at that. We're getting better at that. I think it's going to take a few more weeks for that, for that macho man impression. The macho man, yeah. 
trying to get that Macho Madness voice back. But I said I was going to open up hour number one, hour number two, excuse me, with something a little bit different. So Kevin Foote, host of Footnotes right here on 103.7 The Game, i got to give him credit for this idea. All the credit in the world to him. He brought up his five favorite Saints players of all time. And I wanted to throw my hat in the proverbial ring. Again, I'm a young man. I'm 31 years old. To Mike Gundy, I'm not a man. I'm just 31. He's a man. He's 40. Nine years down the road, I'll, I'll said it before, I'll say it again. In 2029, if we're not, like, whenever, like, 2029 is, and I'm a, hopefully, I would hope to, goodness gracious, great balls of fire, that that's on, like, a Sunday. But I'm actually looking. Oh, my God, it's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. So in nine years' time, if I'm still here and radio's still a thing and I'm doing a show on Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon for 103.7 The Game 2029, I'm going to yell, I'm a man, I'm 40, the entire show. I'm going to talk about it every segment that I'm no longer a young man who's 31 or 39 the year before. I'm going to yell, I'm a man, I'm 40, bottom line. But my list definitely leans heavy on those 2000 teams. When I grew up loving the front, when I started to grow up and learn to love this franchise. And you know what? To a certain extent, I joined in at the right time. I'll admit it. I wasn't around during those hard time blues when the New Orleans Saints just underwhelmed for a good chunk of their time. I just don't remember those times because I was not like a big Saints fan. I went to a Saints game when I was a kid, seeing them play the Eagles, then even like a preseason game. But I wasn't like huge. I wasn't huge into sports at the time, like growing up. I was more focused on video games and computers and all that other stuff. Sports wasn't necessarily like a huge. I, I played baseball growing up, but I wasn't a huge sports nut, nut until probably about like 10, 11 years old. I didn't become huge in that until later on. I loved Astros baseball, but outside that, I'd largely kind of pass. I'd I'd love Cajun baseball, Cajuns football. I'd watch that, but I wasn't like die hard like Saints fan. And a lot of that to do just because I, I don't remember much of like watching Saints growing up. Now, as the two thousands happened, I remember that a lot more vividly. It was because of the fact that whenever you're younger, you just don't quite remember. All those like, ye- all those lean years pre Hazlitt. I think those years were probably I remember them. And I was want to see the Saints win, but they just kept losing. They underwhelmed. They were the Aints, still kind of sort of the Aints at the time. The Ricky Williams trade, everything in between. I remember all of it, but it's not as vivid as the stuff from two thousand on. So trust me, my list will lean heavily towards that. But I've got at least one old school pick in there is I can't not include him in this list, but you know, that's kind of where I'm at. So I became a huge fan of the saints during those early Hazlitt years and stuck with them, even though, even through those years that were pretty darn bad. And thankfully things want to looking a lot better than the game of perennial power. And I stuck with them and I'm going to stick with them going forward. But without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get to this list and go from five to one. Number five, it took next to no time for me to, throw this guy in there and it is historical Ricky Jackson number five played the bulk of his career with the Saints was a second round pick was an absolute monster one of the best linebackers in the franchise's history 
Phenomenal player on the field and a monster of getting after the football. 38 of his 40 fumbles in his career all came with the black and gold before his final two years with San Francisco. And I've always liked the stories I've heard about him and seeing all those things and hearing all other stuff about Ricky Jackson and how huge he was towards the Dome Patrol in the 90s. Again, that was a little bit before like I can remember because I was born in 89 and the Dome Patrol was like those early 90s teams when I was probably like three, four years old and did not know like a darn thing about like watching NFL Sunday afternoons and seeing them on Fox on the regular basis. I just don't, those things don't click in my brain because again, very young. But I got to say, Ricky Jackson, without a doubt, number five favorite Saints player of all time. Number four, again, we're going to con- keep this going, and it's definitely going to be more recent, i.e., guys in the last 20 or so years. Number four, I got to put Michael Lewis in that list, and I, I'm interested to see what people think about this one. But to me, who didn't love the beer man? Probably one of the coolest stories in NFL history. Guy went from delivering beer in New Orleans to becoming a starter in the NFL and one of the more electrifying players on special teams. I can remember seeing him do great kick returns and punt returns. A breakout player without a doubt. Michael Lewis, number four on the list for a lot of different reasons. He may have been overshadowed by guys like Dante Stallward, Joe Horn, Jerome Payton. And I've got a story about Joe Horn that I'm going to save for down the road about Joe Horn and why he is not on this list. He is probably one of the one of the few Saints that I actually legitimately hate. Brandon Brown was on that list too. Brandon Brown was on that list, but Joe Warren's on the list for a very specific reason. And I'm going to talk about that down the road. Maybe not today, but I'll talk about it down the road if people want me to bring up my true thoughts. 337-706-0111 on the man who had a cell phone celebration, which was awesome at the time, and then I just there was a reason why, a very distinct reason why I don't like him. Anyways, guys like jo- Joe Horn, Dante Solward, Jerome Payton, what Lewis did was kind of like swept under the rug and not necessarily talked about as much, but you can't sweep this guy under the rug in terms of the legacy of the New Orleans Saints. He was a made-for-TV movie come to life. Because, again, you go from not going to college, selling beer in New Orleans and delivering beer in New Orleans to dotting the black and gold, Becoming one of the like instant stars. Again, this is like a made-for-TV movie. It's almost like the movie Miracle, but in real life. And you got to see this happen in real time. It's amazing. Number three, I'm going with a kicker, and Kevin Foote's probably going to have my head over this if he's listening. Probably not. John Carney. It's easy to say Garrett Hartley if you're a younger fan, like I am. But I feel like his one shining moment kind of washes away when you look at his overall career with the black and gold. That NFC title game after that really wasn't the same. It was just a moment where he, like, overall didn't, his overall body work just does not sit for me. John Carney does, though, for two reasons. One, because he was so damn accurate throughout his time with the Saints. One of the best kickers in the history of the league. And during his time with the Saints, I feel like he was pretty much, like, on fire. He was still crushing field goals from 50 yards out in his final season with the team. And the second reason is because of the moment that I think everybody associates him with. It's like the Bill Buckner moment in the 1986 World Series. It's you go from hero to goat. If John Carney makes that field goal, he's a bit of a hero. The, the folklore of 
one of the greatest plays of all time doesn't have that asterisk on it. Doesn't have that, but John Carney missed the extra point, and the Saints lost, and they missed out on the playoffs. Mind you, they were going to miss on the playoffs anyways, but that's not the that's not the storyline that we're talking about. We're talking about John Carney missing a field goal that cost the Saints a potential playoff spot. But again, he's considered one of the best in the history of the NFL. Everybody talks about that missed field goal, and it sucks. And it sucked to see that back then, and it still sucks now to kind of continually hear about it every day or every year around that time. I can remember growing up and watching it on TV, fell asleep that night, Sports Center highlight, and they were running that highlight nonstop. I woke up the next morning, same exact thing. Highlights were running. Imagine if this were in the hot take world where Get Up's on and First Take and all these other shows that love to do debate and embrace debate was going on. John Carney would have probably crumbled under that pressure of hot take and social media. But I think the fact that John Carney didn't let all that talk about him really get to him in a sense. That made me have a new respect for the position because, again, you have moments like Justin Tucker a couple years ago when he missed that field goal after being one of the most consistent kickers, I believe this was extra point as well, and missed that and cost them a big game against the New Orleans Saints. I honestly feel like, to a certain extent, that gave me respect for him, and definitely probably one of my favorite players, and he was even better later on after that River City relay miss, which still to this day I can hear Jim Henderson going no. I can still hear that to this day in my ear. Number two is Drew Brees. I can't leave the cat out of the cold here. The man pretty much single-handedly turned the Saints from a low cow to a perennial power. Nothing but respect for him and what he's done for the city and the franchise because I think there's something that we're talking about with that. But there's another reason why, and I'll share a story about number nine real quick about why, and this explains why he's in the Fave Five and number two. And I'm also, number one is definitely a more sentimental thing for me. So number two is Drew Brees. So about a year ago, in fact, I believe this was a year ago, will be a year ago on Wednesday, because this was just before, during the SEC tournament. I, I can remember that because I think it was the night LSU played Mississippi State in that 18-inning or whatever the hell it was. It was that, that long game that lasted like 2 a.m. Thanks a lot, LSU. But anyways, so about a year ago, he had a big event here in Lafayette at, for his flag football league, and I saw him interact with each and every parent, kid, family, everything in between and interact with each of them before giving a media scrum. And he made sure everybody had their moment and made sure everybody felt like they had a unique experience. It wasn't just like he's smiling for the camera and moving on. He he wasn't phoning it in. I don't think there's such a thing as phoning it in for Drew Brees. But then we had a media scrum. And not long after that was all done, I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to approach Brees as he made his way out. And as Michael Scott in the office once said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And this is one that went through the rim, nothing but net. As he was ready to roll out, I want to make sure that I was taken care of. And he did that. He was telling me, he's like, all right, man, if if you make it quick. And luckily I had the script written out on my phone, handed it to him, recorded it, and turned that thing around that night to be able to run. And you hear it to this day. This wasn't a cameo type thing. Where you know Drew, right? I paid Drew Brees money to do it. No, he did it out of the good of his heart, and I got to respect that man for what he did. And that really meant a lot. 
it pretty much etched his spot in number two. And I think this five will probably stay that way forever unless there's some player that absolutely blows me away. Michael Thomas is definitely like number six or seven in my book. He's what he's able to do and what he's been able to be. But I still think he winds up staying like outside of the top five. That's just my personal opinion. And number one is atop the list of Saints players, the Fave Five, Deuce McAllister. The former Ole Miss Rebel made an impact almost immediately. And his second year with the team was something amazing after the whole stench of the Rick. It made the stench of the post-Ricky Williams era a lot better. I just I couldn't understand why you gave up all your picks for Ricky Williams. Still to this day. Whatever you could have started building for the future and maybe just maybe get a solid guy and not just mortgage your entire franchise's future for Ricky Williams, a guy who didn't necessarily do much. And then you had Deuce McAllister come in, and he absolutely starts beasting for those first few years. He gets an injury in 2005, not necessarily the same guy, but he still had a lot of great moments, and I'll always remember those because he's a bright spot of some of those like middle-of-the-road years after that 2000 season where the Saints somehow, someway made the playoffs and beat the Rams in that third game, in that wild card game. I can remember that was a moment I'll never forget seeing that game happen. And then they lost in the second round of the postseason is what it is. You, you just knew that team wasn't necessarily due to make a big run. But when I saw this guy, absolutely amazing during his time, and it was just those middle-of-the-road years, early 2000s. It was disappointing, though, to not see him part of the team during that Super Bowl year. But when they announced he was going to be an honorary captain for the divisional game against the Cardinals and everything in between, it was amazing. It was great. He was the first NFL jersey I ever had. And I think that's a big reason why he's also such a big part of me saying, hey, he's number one in the Fave Five because he is probably the first Saints player that I absolutely enjoyed watching. I've got a jersey, and this is another story I'll tell you all right now. I believe this is probably summer 2004, after that big 2003 year. And he was going to make an appearance at the foot action in Lafayette, and maybe some of y'all might not remember that. Some of y'all probably will. This was actually where the Guitar Center is now. That's where foot action was, just for feet, all that stuff, where they had the basketball court. That was really cool stuff, by the way. If you remember that from back in the 2000s, you know you were like a kid of the 90s and 2000s. And... He was going to make an appearance, and I wanted him to autograph the jersey, just like any kid would. And, you know, we get there, and we had just missed him. He had just left the building. I was like, disappointed, yes, but, you know, I consider it just a good thing because I still have the jersey, still framed up. One of these days, though, I'm getting it signed by Deuce McAllister, bottom line. Like, if I ever meet him in a non-media setting, bet your bottom dollar I'm getting that bad boy signed. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. Robin Lundberg joined the program in the 10, <clears throat> 11.30 segment. Excuse me. Don't know why I thought 10.30. It's 11.30. But um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, I'll talk a little bit more about some other stuff going on in the world of sports. Maybe a little look back to the what happened just a few months ago with LSU conquering Alabama. We'll talk about that next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
Under the Dome with CD is far from your ordinary sports talk show. I am the voice of the voiceless. What other show has more pop culture references than an episode of Family Guy? I just don't want to be involved in any of that mess. Now, back to the famous CD on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Bringing the noise, and I am absolutely loving the bumper music today. There's a theme behind it. Let me know what you think about the theme and take a wild guess what it is. Over on Twitter at Clint Doming, C L I N T D O M I N G U E, or at 1037 The Game, at Under the Dome CD. There's a lot of different ways to get in touch with me here on Acadiana Sports Station because I've got about like 20 accounts that I deal with on a regular basis in terms of Acadiana Sports Station related stuff. Don't have any burner accounts. I'm not Kevin Durant. Hello. But obviously, just loving it. But hearing that promo, Recrowning the Champion. Going to be starting off at 3 o'clock with a 30-minute pregame show with RP3 and his company. They're going to be crushing it. I can't wait to hear it. And then also, after that, the recrowning of the champion coverage continues with the rear of LSU-Alabama. That game is probably one of the greatest memories of sports I'll probably have for a long time because of a lot of reasons. The biggest of them all is just the fact that the LSU Tigers finally slated. They destroyed the Red Menace. And I can remember just like after it happened, I got so amped up and I was like, oh my God, I need to be able to like create a really awesome show that week. Just a really kick ass show. And we did. It was probably one of my favorite shows of all time. So because of the fact that we had great intros, we had great stuff to we had cold opens we had so many cool things that under the dome did that day that still feel like they were absolutely amazing i can say to this day that's probably one of my favorite two hours of radio i've ever, I've ever done and i that's saying something i've done some really awesome shows i feel like but that one in particular i think it almost solely has to do with how we ended the how we ended the show that week because i said you know what Coach Foe being the advocate for Joe Burrow, like a Paul Heyman promo, word for word, bar for bar, and pretty much crushing it. That was a moment that I'll never forget because it was just one of my favorite things to do, just to goof around and like have fun with it. That's kind of the whole goal of this show and anything that, I, that I'm trying to do now. And I, like, I'll say this. Heading into that Alabama game, I had confidence LSU was going to win, but I just wasn't necessarily like feeling it. I was not like necessarily a huge kind. I wasn't feeling it, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that I just wasn't like feeling like myself for one reason or another. Lo and behold, after that game happens, I kind of refine myself and managed to like realize, hey. I'm pretty damn good at what I do. I absolutely enjoy this stuff. This is what I'm here for. For moments like LSU beating Alabama, slaying the Red Menace after eight long years, cutting Paul Heyman-esque promos on the air, doing fun stuff like that. And you know, whatever you have those moments where you're just not necessarily like there, you need those kind of, 
moments like this where I was like immediately like blown away. I was down the road at a local watering hole watching this game and blown away by every single thing. I am absolutely just saying that was a moment I fell in love with LSU again. That was like, I'll admit it. And I've mentioned on this program before. I never necessarily was a huge LSU fan, but when they were winning, when they were national title contention, I was like, hell, I'm going to watch them and root for them because part of the state, support the state. And I know that that statement draws up some controversy. Trust me, I know. And I've got that silver bullet ready to go whenever I want. But that was a year where I was like, you know what? LSU is pretty damn cool now. LSU is the cool thing again. LSU did it again. And they won over Alabama and won convincingly. Halftime, I left the local watering hole and was like feeling like LSU was just going to whip up on them and drop a 50-burger on Alabama and just pretty much destroy the Nick Saban dynasty. Destroy the phase that runs the place. That didn't necessarily happen. But trust me, that first half was a thing of beauty. And it made you realize that this team was something special. And I said it well before that. I can remember. I can pull up the tape. I said LSU was going to win the national title, I think in October. And that happened. So right here, right now, I'm feeling pretty good about listening again to LSU taking on Bama. The final real big hurdle they had to jump over in order to become the SC West champion and, more importantly, to get to the college football playoff and eventually become the Le champion of college football. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to have on Robin Lundberg talking some NBA basketball. You're listening to it, Katie, on a sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037, the game. Welcome back to Under the Dome at CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037, the game, and 1037thegame.com. And now we're going to go over to the game hotline to talk with Robin Lundberg, part of Sports Illustrated. Also has done some stuff with CBS Sports Radio, more on the weekends. But Robin, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing absolutely fantastic. And starting things off, we got to look at what the NBA, what's their plan right now from what you've been able to hear about the plan of trying to restart the NBA season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Adam Silver um, presented the reality of the, the situation that they're dealing with, that so many of us are dealing with on a conference call, because, you know, this, this all happened really fast. I know we've been in the midst of it for a while, but if you recall, you know, it wasn't very long between LeBron James scoffing at the idea of playing in front of no fans to the entire league being put on pause. And, and I think what Silver really presented to the players was the idea that you know, even if the season is canceled, you're still dealing with the same issues next season, right? Like, I mean, we keep thinking, I think some people keep thinking, 
you know, you wait a little longer and this is going to go away. That's, we don't know. We have no idea. So, you know, if you cancel this season, who's to say you could even play next season? So I think Adam Silver was trying to present the, the reality of that situation, that the coronavirus is something we're all going to be living with for an extended period of time, and also the, the financial ramifications of, of this situation. One, the, the lost revenue from, from fans, but two, you know, if you're to cancel the season, you're going to have to throw the CBA in the trash and, and start anew. And, and I think that was a very sobering call, and the players seem to respond really well to it, especially the, the player leadership, LeBron James, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, uh, guys like that. And now it, it appears as if the, the game plan is to find Silver referred to it as campus-like environments, but essentially bubble cities, right? Whether that be Disney World in Orlando, Las Vegas, Toronto, and, and play the entire league in one of those places or split it up between those places to keep um, the, the league quarantined, if you will, as safe as possible and, and try to, to play out the remainder or at least a few games and then the, the, the playoffs there. And, you know, Robin, obviously it's we're just trying to figure out what the plan is in place and all that stuff, but what's the likelihood in your mind that we do see a restart of the season, be it, you know, you continue the season as is or you just fast-forward straight to the playoffs? Which scenario do you think is more likely? I think what you will see is um, a, a short ramp-up for the playoffs and then the playoffs. I don't think you can go – I mean, I, I think as fans, we'd all be like, fine, just go straight to the playoffs, right? Because – there's no teams on the outside looking in that you really think have a realistic chance to win. But there's a, a physical reality you have to deal with. You know, the basketball, to, to go from playing at the level they were playing at to not playing at all to then playing at playoff level, you can't just flip a switch and make that happen. It's also not healthy to do that. So I think what you'll see is some sort of either a, a truncated end to the regular season, five games or so, or a, an exhibition-style um, thing that, that takes place, and then the playoffs being played out. Talking right now with Robin Lundberg, part of Sports Illustrated, and you know, looking at how this whole thing's set up, and you brought up the fact you're gonna, you could very well have like a five game type of warm up, and or possibly exhibition. That makes me wonder, like, could this, like, if it's five games, how much could that affect kind of the overall standings, or is this just going to be, oh hey, let's let's just put these eight, or would you wind up saying, hey, let's put the top seeds from both East and West playing? and everybody else can kind of just go home. Do you see that kind of thing happening? Well, I mean, again, I think the playoffs as they were set before are essentially what you're going to see um, when you get to the playoffs. And we all know what teams we thought were contenders and you know what teams were in that mix. So I don't see that changing for the most part, but you know, they've stressed how flexible they're willing to be because you know, unprecedented is the word, right? I mean, we're in unprecedented times. So I think depending on the timeline, Depending on you know the the logistics, you could see any number of, of plans. But I would still expect to see you know the Milwaukee's and the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers and uh, the Houston Rockets, those teams being the ones that are ultimately playing for the the NBA championship. When do you think we'll kind of hear more more like hard evidence that we could very well have the NBA season restarted? Do you think it's going to be like by mid June or so? Yeah, I think by June, yeah. Um, uh, you know, you're, eventually you're running out of time, and, and I think they started to lay the groundwork. I, I think what Silver was trying to do essentially was pass the baton to the players and say, he, here's what we are capable of doing, here's the plan, what do you guys think? And the players seem to respond positively to it um, and have been, uh, from all accounts, 
trying to resume the season as well. So I think you'll see a final decision in the next two to four weeks. And I kind of in the it's, I'm kind of in that same boat as well. I think we could see this thing kind of go down over the next like few weeks, and we see probably I'd say by by mid June, June 13, June 14, somewhere along those lines, we hear the NBA move forward with their plan, and they could set this up. But my next thing to you is, what happens with the 2020-2021 season? Do we see the NBA finally go ahead and start Christmas Day? I think it will be pushed back one way or the other, right? I mean, uh, unless they were to start ASAP, they're going to have to push the season back. And I don't think they mind. For one reason, you you just mentioned Christmas Day, right? There's There's already a school of thought that the NBA unofficially starts on Christmas. Also, there's a, you know, I know a school of thought within the league that the further they can uh, move away from the NFL, the better it could be for the product. So if you were to start essentially at the end of the NFL season, then right in the midst of the NFL season, you can have more of the attention to yourself. And then there's the fan aspect of it, too, which is huge economically, where the longer you wait for next season, the greater the likelihood you can get people, at least uh, a limited number of people back into the arenas, which brings in a whole new revenue stream. So I would be stunned if, if next year's season doesn't start yet in December, January, maybe even February. I think, uh, talking right now with Robin Lundberg, I think Christmas Day is the ideal situation because everybody knows Christmas Day, for the most part, is dedicated almost strictly to the NBA. This year is a little bit different, mind you, with, with them, uh, the whole Christmas Day situation with the Saints playing the Vikings, but still, you can very well have a day chock full of NBA basketball from mid-morning during Christmas lunch, Christmas Day lunch to what's going to be going on Christmas night. You can have your day chock-a-block full of, of NBA basketball, and that's not, a, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you can see the count. Look, I, I think, you know, it, this is uh, – it, it's going to have an impact on a lot of things, right? Like, I think you will see life changes in general, right? <laughs> you know, a, a lot of places are going to work from home in perpetuity now. Um, you know, a lot of gatherings may take place over Zoom now, right? Because you see, you can actually talk to the people you're you're in the room <laughs> with there. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I also think you could see this be the impetus where it's really hard to make a change like that, but because they were forced into it, and then it, it works out that way, the 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 permanent change in, in the NBA schedule. Talk right now, Robin Lundberg, and you know, obviously, what everybody's talking about lately in terms of NBA has been the fact that the last dance has kind of captured America's hearts, and we're reliving all the nostalgia of the second half of the Bulls dynasty. What's been your favorite part of seeing the last dance 30 for 30 so far as we head into the final Sunday? Um, you know, to be honest, I think my favorite part is just what it's given us, right? Like it's been a content fountain where in a time where, you know, like you, you guys are in the same industry I am in, obviously, right? Where, what were we going to talk about? <laughs> okay. Uh, nobody wants to hear about the coronavirus all day, right? So this was this was just an, an energy, a shot in the arm uh, to the sports fan, and it you know it, it reignited the, the greatest debate of all time. I love, you know LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. People will say they're tired of that, but the engagement and the responses to it indicate otherwise. And and, and I honestly think that's probably been the, the biggest thing for me, just the the amount of energy into basketball, into the NBA, into to all-time discussions, player comparisons that have taken place. And then, of course, yeah, I mean, it was a, g- a great reminder of uh, 
of Michael Jordan's uh, career, even if it was, you know, it's essentially a giant Michael Jordan propaganda machine, but it's a highly entertaining one. Uh, and, and I'm certainly thankful for it because it's it just um, injected the, the right kind of content and topic matter into a time when we, we desperately needed it. And I have to agree with you. It's just, I, I think now more than ever, I think it's the fact that we get to have this new information plugged in, especially with the younger crowd that's more Team LeBron. I think now it's starting to solidify the debate or kind of squashing that debate for the most part, at least to me, that LeBron's, uh, Michael Jordan is the GOAT and always will be. Uh, well, see, no, I, just, I think LeBron's the best player of all time. Um, you know, uh, I, and I, I've seen both. Um, you know, I, I especially remember the more fadeaway Jordan than the Air Jordan, and that's part of what I've liked seeing is the highlights of, of Air Jordan, you know, the, the game against Boston, the 63-point game that they set to the, the tune of LL Cool J's um, bad that in, was awesome. in, in the last dance. Yeah, it was awesome. But to me, I mean, you know, I think this argument will live forever. Um, I, I think it, part of it was an in, in intent, you know, to remind a generation about Michael Jordan, the release of all, all of it. But, I mean, some of my stock points, um, you know, you can say you can rank a player however you want. I don't think you can say any player has ever had more of an impact on his teams than LeBron James. He's essentially been a one-man dynasty. If you look at Chicago, the year Jordan went to play baseball, they were still a contending team. They won 55 games. They went seven games with the, the, the Knicks, who they you know, were battling with Jordan on the team. Uh, Scottie Pippen was still one of the best players in the league. When LeBron was with the Cavs the first time, they had back-to-back 60-win seasons. He left, they won 19 games. He went to Miami, they went to four consecutive finals. He left Miami, they missed the playoffs. He went to Cleveland, they went to four consecutive finals, including the, the last finals without Kyrie Irving, with, with a, a really, you know, team that didn't belong there. He leaves Cleveland the second time. Again, after he leaves in a finals trip, they win 19 games the next season. Now he's in L.A. in the West that everybody said was so tough. He's healthy there, and they're number one in the Western Conference. You know, in NBA history, there have been six teams that have gone to four consecutive finals. LeBron was on two of them. He went to eight straight by himself. The only team that ever went to eight straight finals was the Celtics of the 1960s when there were eight to 12 teams in the entire NBA. So, I mean, when you just look at pure, you know, uh, influence, impact, value, to a team, I, I just don't know how you say anyone's ever brought more of that than LeBron James. Robin, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road, and hopefully, we do have an NBA play, NBA season come to a reasonable conclusion. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I, I think it will happen. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. All right, that was Robin Lundberg, part of Sports Illustrated. Also, did a lot of stuff in the not too recent past with him, a CBS Sports Radio. Over on the weekends, I know we. I know it's a little weird right now of what's going on with COVID nineteen. We're seeing a lot more people work from home, and we're seeing on, on CBS Sports Radio, for instance, on the weekends, it's been all WAFAN guys. It's been guys like Evan Roberts, and somehow, some way, you got him, uh, Mike Francesa, back on the radio on like a Sunday morning. That is just, I'm just saying. Mike Francesa is probably the worst radio guy of all time. It's the fact that like he came back when he didn't need to come back, and it just made him even more of a giant jamoke. We're going to go ahead, ahead and take a quick timeout, and we come back. We're going to kind of wrap up the show with a nice little bow, one final take, 
and maybe it'll be a little bit more less last dance related. Back after this on 1037 the game, 1037thegame.com. famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 1037 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. I got to just crank this up for a second. So confused about what to do. Flaps won't throw it all away. Uh, how, how can you, by the way, the theme for today's show was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Oh man, that that brings back some memories. He is old. They announced earlier this week that I'm uh, the. They are bringing back the Tony Hawk Pro Skater franchise with remastered editions of one and two. And brother, I am all the way up for that. When it comes down to it, absolutely amazing that they're bringing that back, and just like they're also bringing back the original soundtrack too, which is just absolutely badass for a whole lot of different reasons. But you know, before I get to one last take, I have enough time. I as well get to this update on the Dante Stark situation. He put this out on Twitter about forty minutes ago, and I'm just now seeing this. So he wrote this quote: "Before you write bad things and make accusations about me, ask me what's going on. I didn't get dismissed because of guns, drugs, etc. That February situation had happened. I accepted that and moved on. Mistakes happen, and that's life." He got dismissed, according to this, and this is on his Twitter account because of academics. The schooling part is my weakness, and I'm okay with admitting that. This isn't the end of the world, and I'll overcome this. To the people wishing and hoping for the best for me, I appreciate y'all. And to the people bashing me and talking bad. About me, I appreciate y'all as well. That cat's handling that like really, really well. So I, I got to give him credit for owning up to it, and hopefully, he's able to kind of get better down the road. And I, I got to say, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him, and he's able to kind of like improve himself from an academic perspective down the road. Maybe just maybe land somewhere else where he can get better. But without further ado, I got enough time. Might as well get it in now. One final take. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. I got to say, Robin Lundberg deserves the credit for opening this bad boy up. Open up this can of worms, because why not do it to end the show? Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Don't care what you say. You can say that you can say LeBron James with the eight straight finals. He only won like a couple of those. At the end of the day, Michael Jordan won not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six NBA titles. And if not for him leaving the league for whatever reason it is to go play baseball, and he was actually pretty damn good at baseball too. I think that's something we kind of forgot about 
is the fact he was batting 200 in double A ball after not playing baseball for 14 years. You got to respect Cat for what he did there. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you right now, Michael Jordan is without a doubt the greatest basketball player of all time. I don't think LeBron James could play in this era as long as Michael did. I don't think Michael Jordan, I think LeBron James, if he was in the Michael Jordan era of basketball, would have been able to kind of crack those things. The Chicago Bulls were the right team at the right time and everything was set up. It wasn't a super team. It was just the right pieces fit together in a puzzle. And we saw the Bulls dynasty just absolutely dominate fools and dominate folks on a regular basis. I think that we can say in 2020 that LeBron James is second fiddle to Michael Jordan and you can't sway me one way or another. I think Michael Jordan would be an absolutely dominant force in this day's NBA. I think this day's NBA would be more beneficial to a guy like Michael Jordan. Because in fact, you're not you're not hitting guys as hard. You're not being as rough and snug with the hits. I think at the end of the day, LeBron James wouldn't necessarily be as great as he is in this era as he would be in the 80s and 90s with those Detroit Piston bad boys staring him down the down the scope, if you will. I think that's an uphill climb. I think we can say LeBron James is one of the greats, but not the greatest of all time. I'll give him that much. And it's not about him not having championships. It's because of the fact that I think Michael Jordan is better than him in a lot of different aspects. And that's my final take of the show. I hope you have a great rest of your Saturday afternoon. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. And maybe go play some Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 and enjoy the rest of my weekend. We got Astros Baseball, a special classic game from 1962, back when they were the Colt 45s, coming up next. And then recrown the champion at 3 o'clock. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. CD is out. Oh yeah, kick it!